Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. So I think God's going to be wild tonight. Is that okay with anybody else? Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Man, I feel really provoked in my spirit to preach this message as it's something that I'm truly passionate about. If you don't mind turning on your Bible and going in 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings the 6th chapter, I am fully committed to this message. You know, I, I have learned a couple things in the last few years that has shaped me both as a, a, as a husband, as a father, as a minister, that my perspective is absolutely paramount in my spiritual strength. How I see things will determine how I receive them. I have learned that if my vision gets distorted, everything in my life gets distorted. This is why God had to frame it in Matthew chapter 5. He said, blessed are the pure in heart for what? They will see God. Are you following me? There is something about people who have the correct prescription in their spiritual eyesight. When Isaiah, you remember Isaiah was a preacher of righteousness, right? The first four chapters of Isaiah, he's like preaching righteousness. You know, woe to the drunkard, woe to the wicked, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, right? He is preaching that. And then he has an encounter with God. And instead of saying, woe to the wicked, woe to the drunkard, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, he literally says, woe is me. Because when his perspective, when he saw the Lord, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and the seraphim flew around covered with four wings, flying with two, and a hot coal came and touched his lips. He began to talk differently. He began to pray and prophesy differently, and arguably, he gave us the most job descriptions of the messianic messenger, Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, who would come. That is the power of God changing your perspective. And so I wanna get into this Tonight, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to parachute in the middle of a situation. Uh, the king of Syria is always creating conflict with the nation of Israel. He'll come up with these wicked ideas in the middle of the night, and he'll call all his generals, his advisors, his counselors around him, and he will, do, he will relay this plan. He will share it with them, and they are supposed to go to execute it. Well, when it leaves his mouth, it would end up in their hearing, but it would also end up in a pair of ears he did not expect. And that was the prophet Elisha. Now, I love Elisha. I love Elisha so much. I, my oldest son is named Elisha. I love Elisha. This man was dangerous. This man cannot be intimidated. This guy carried fresh authority. I mean, some kids called him bald and made fun of him. And Elisha called bears out of the woods and they ate the kids. This is good youth ministry. I'm telling you, this, you talk about holiness hitting the youth ministry, that'll do it, right? Like, this, I mean, Elisha was bad. I mean, this man was big in God, right? And so, but Elisha would hear this in the spirit and he would report it to the king of Israel. He said, hey, you're about to be invaded. Send reinforcements to this place to fight off, you know, the surprise attack. And sure enough, the Bible says that this would happen time and again. So family, this didn't just happen one time. This happened all the time, all right? Time and and again, Elisha would warn the king of Israel till finally this wicked king is so frustrated that he calls all his generals, advisors, guys. He's like, okay, okay, which of you is the traitor? Which of you is informing 
on my plate. I, I got a leak in my administration. People are tweeting stuff out, and I don't know what is happening. Right? He's trying to figure it out. He's like, which of you is the traitor? And they're like, oh, oh, oh. Um, it's not us. Uh, they have a prophet who hears everything you say, even in the privacy of your own bedroom. Come on, that's awkward. Let's just be honest. That's awkward. That pillow talk ain't going to stay on the pillow very long, right? And so they, he's like, well, tell me where Elisha's at. And, it's, and they say, well, Elisha's at Dothan. Dothan means cutting. That's a whole different sermon series. Jackson will preach it next week, all right? And so uh, Dothan means cutting. So they send a whole army for one guy. And this is what we're going to read right here in verse 14. It says, so one night, the king of Syria sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were, tro- there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid. Come on, there's some wind on that tonight. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more with us Then against us. Come on, we could have church right there. That's a good place to say amen. There are more with us than against us. Then Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes. Say that with me. Lord, open his eyes. Say it one more time. And let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, He saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness exactly as Elisha had asked. Oh my gosh, there is so much in here. We're going to taste it all. Like I said, like Nando's chicken. We're going to taste it all, all right? But first, come on, someone got saved right there. But first... We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray for a sacred interruption into our life once again. Lord, I speak to this atmosphere, and I say that you are full of the prophetic. You are full of clarity. You are full of understanding, and you are full of strength. Father, I speak to every veil. I speak to every blind spot. I speak to every place of distortion and confusion, and I say it is done now in Jesus' name. Where there is confusion, I ask for clarity. Where there has been blindness, God, I ask for piercing sight, Lord. Where there has been questions, Lord, that you would just bring direction and answers, next steps, action items, that you would move your people in such a way that they are fully convinced, not just by what they sense, by what they see. I declare the eyes of your people are opening now and we will not be we will we refuse to be led by smoke screens agendas and limits we refuse to live this life blind in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said amen amen Amen. I want to speak to you from this title and um, I don't have a, a political cultural propaganda agenda to this title. No doubt, when I, God gave us this message, I thought, this is a dope title, Tim. I'm gonna call it this, all right? I wanna speak to you from this subject, Stay Woke. Now, I am not talking about a natural wokeness. All the people are jumping on the emails right now, getting ready to hit send, all right? I am not talking about a natural wokeness. I am talking about a supernatural spiritual wokeness. Because I have found that there is a natural wokeness that's trying to claim a generation in in the earth. It's trying to claim you through problems and offenses. 
But the issue that I have with natural wokeness is all it notices is the crisis, the pain, it notices the problems. But spiritual wokeness can see the problem and know the answer. It can see the pain and it knows the healer. This is why we need people who are spiritually woke. Is there anyone in this room who knows what it's like to be touched by the love, grace, and mercy of God? He woke you up out of your sin, the Romans says. He woke you up out of your dysfunction. He woke you up out of your pain. And because his love is true and consistent, he is omnipresent, he is always there, he has kept you to stay there is something about people who refuse to go to sleep again who refuse to go back to the same patterns the same habits the same systems the same mental models these people have chosen to let the word wake them up in a fresh way these people have chosen that fasting needs to reset some things in their spirit they have chosen that extended times of worship will wake them up out of the funk, out of the weakness, out of the confusion. We need people who know how to stay woke again in the place of serving, generosity. Come on, do I have any woke people in this room tonight who God has touched you and you are seeing things differently? I remember one time I, uh, I was coming out of the gym and don't be that impressed, it was a dodgeball tournament, okay? Um, but uh, I, I remember, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a kind of a competitive person, I don't know about anybody else, but I like to win, all right? I, can I get a better amen in Australia, okay? Like, I, I, I like to win, okay? I don't play just to play, I don't play nothing just to play, all right? I don't play to have fun, who does that? I don't do that, no, I'm a Christian, I don't do that, all right? I play to get the dub, all right? I play to get a win, bragging rights. I don't care if there's no money, a sponsor deal after this, baby. I want to be able to say, I tore you up. I want to be able to say, I play to win. All right. And so I, I, everybody knows this. Even my kids know this to me. I don't like if, if you grew up in the Strata house, all right, it don't matter if I'm playing a matching game with my seven-year-old or NBA 2K with my six-year-old, I plan on destroying you. <laughs> and don't come crying to me or my heart, like, Daddy, how come you always take it so hard on us? And how come you don't give me no extra chances, Daddy? And how come you don't give me, hey, hey, hey. stop acting like a sissy. You better grow up and learn how to handle some L's. And then you get some dubs, right? And don't go crying to your mom. Like, my wife's worse. Like, she has no filter for this. There's, like, zero tolerance. So uh, we, I was in a dodgeball tournament, and we got eliminated early, and I don't want to talk about it. So I remember I'm walking out. And I get these text messages on my phone. One text message after that. You know these people who send text, they could send one text, but they choose to hit you like four or five times. These attention seeking people that apparently don't get enough in the day. Hey, exclamation point, what are you doing? They like take them five texts to get to the point. I'm like, send it in one text, one, right? And so first text I get, I'm not lying. First text I get, it's like, hey, which uh, actually was like this, yo, what's up? Next text, is this Darnisha? Next text, this Antoine from Saturday night. Now, honest to God, before Jehovah God, Pastor Brad, before Jehovah God, I meant to text back, this is not Darnisha, but the autocorrect on my phone sent back, this is Darnisha. <laughs> To which Antoine hit back, he goes, sup, girl? <laughs> so I didn't have anything else to do, Tim. <laughs> so 
So I just texted back, nothing, he, 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 emoji, 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 and baby, it was on. He said, what you doing right now? I said, well, I just got out the gym. I'm kind of tired. And he said, well, you should go to bed then. I'm thinking, oh, 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 look at, look at Antoine, 15 seconds into my life, speaking godly wisdom and direction into my life. So I, I go home, you know, anyone that knows me, I like to go to bed early. You know, if, I, I like to go to bed early, I like to wake up early. And, and uh, if you send me a text message after like nine, you're not getting an answer. Everyone in my family knows this. Everyone on our team knows this. You are not getting an answer back till the next morning. And so I shower, I get in bed, and uh, I'm trying to fall asleep. My wife's laying next to me. She's reading her Bible. <laughs> She's the real Christian. I'm just the preacher, okay? And so I, I'm sitting there trying to fall asleep, and all of a sudden I hear the on my, uh, of my phone. And I'm thinking, that could only be one person. Sure enough, I look at my phone. It's Antoine. He said, sweet dreams, baby girl. <laughs> so I just, I grab my phone and I'm texting back, but I'm laughing, literally, LOL, out loud. I'm like, ha, 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 he don't even know, he don't even know. I'm getting all excited. And then my wife is like, hey, who's that? <laughs> I said, you ever try to make something sound normal? I said, that's Antoine. <laughs> she said, Who's Antoine? What does he want? I said, well, he, uh, he, he won't talk to Darnisha. Antoine won't talk to Darnisha. She said, who's Darnisha? I said, well, life's funny. I said, I'm Darnisha. <laughs> and Erica was like, hold on. You're a married man pretending to be a woman talking to another man. I said, baby, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. This went on for two weeks. Yes, it did. Oh, I'm, I am that kind of, I'm telling you, I'm that kind of, if you're going to be around me, we're going to have fun, all right? I don't know what you're doing with your born self, but I'm going to have a good time. I've been depressed. I like joy a lot more. Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about, right? So, like, this went on for two weeks, and he would text, and I would go back and forth. I would take screenshots and upload them to, to, to all my social media, and I had a hashtag that had a big following. It was called hashtag Days of Darnisha. Darnisha with an E because she's a deep soul, independent woman. But, you know, like, I had people following, and they would message me, and they're like, keep it going, keep it going, and, and I would have, Horizon, I would have. But then one day, Antoine hit back. He texted me, he's like, hey, I want to see you again. I thought, yeah, yeah, you and I both know. When he sees me, he gonna notice some things have changed. <laughs> Maybe upgraded, I got better, I don't know, but things are different, right? And he, I knew he, when he said, hey, I need to see you, I want to see you again. I knew that as soon as he saw me, he would recognize I am not who I said I was. And I feel like that's exactly what the enemy is scared of right now. That he, we, he has been uncovered. He has been exposed. He has been de-armed. He has been dethroned. He has been absolutely uh, destroyed on every level. And the people of God are waking up to all of the strategies. They're getting ahead of all of his plans. And they're shutting them down before they ever can get uh, into any system in our life, any mindset, any relationship where there are patterns that God wants to break in people's lives. He's waking up the people of God to be to pray about it, to begin to prophesy to it, to begin to worship over it, begin waiting on God and declaring the works of God. This is what it means to stay woke. I, I think we need woke people again. You're not woke by headlines 
and newsreels and social media feeds. No, friend, you are woke by the presence of God. You are ahead because of the anointing. You are built different because he has touched your life and he has opened your ears and he has opened your eyes so that you could stay woke even in the middle of the unexpected, even in the middle of what you weren't ready for. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Is there people who have had things all lined up and then God throws an, a, a curveball and you have no idea what to do, but you stayed woke. I believe that if we're gonna stay woke, there's three things we can say with our life when we stay woke. The first one is, I'm ahead. I live ahead. I stay ahead. You know, I have met a lot of great believers for whatever reason who think they are always behind. As if God is keeping secrets from them and or the enemy knows more about their future than they do. But they constantly have this mindset, I, I, I'm being ambushed by every way. I'm being overtaken by every way. That is not even biblical. That's not even true. And, and the enemy doesn't know more about your future than you do. He is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. He is not the alpha and the omega. He is not the beginning and the end, are you following? He is not any of that. What he does know is he knows certain spiritual characteristics that come on the life of a believer. He looks on those, those, those spiritual traits and he say, that's the same way that Catherine Kuhlman decided to pray and it cost me a whole generation. That's the same way that William J. Seymour used to worship that birthed Azusa Street and it spilled out of America and brought Pentecostal church and Christianity to your own nation here in Australia. That's the same way that Smith Wigglesworth used to declare healing and I lost a whole generation. What he recognizes is your patterns, your godly habits. He recognizes your spiritual traits and what God is trying to do is keep you ahead. If you feel a fresh demand coming on your life, it's because God wants to speed some things up. And he's gotta give you enough, uh, enough of a lead start, a head start, lead time, a gap in your spirit so that you are not overwhelmed by a 2020. So that you are not left dry at the end of a 2021. We have got to be ahead. You know, I had this one kid in our student ministry. He, um, he took a nap before our, our night service for our youth. And in the nap, he had a dream. And in the dream, Jesus came to this kid and brought him one of these big plastic bags, like you put a bunch of like goods in there, like watermelon or whatever, and brought a big plastic bag, just like this. And he, uh, one of the zippy ones. Zippy, that's a, that, is that a, that's an Aussie word. Okay, zippy. Anyway, so maybe it is now. But so like, he brought a plastic bag and gave it to this kid. And he told this kid, he said, go to this Woolies. Yeah, thank you. No, thank, thank you. I know, I, did, I tried that. Um, he, he said, go to this grocery store and stand in the pharmacy aisle, you would call that a chemist, in the chemist aisle. And he said, and wait for people to pick up their prescriptions and everyone that you pray for, I'm going to heal. So this kid wakes up out of the dream, jumps in his car, drives to this grocery store. He gets to the grocery store and the line in the chemist aisle is completely packed people waiting to pick up their prescriptions. And so he comes over and he sees a woman had just finished picking up her prescriptions and she, and she is walking up to him. And, and he goes, excuse me, ma'am. 
And he, she says, yeah. He says, listen, um, I'm a Christian, and God speaks to us, and he told me that he wants me to pray for people, and everyone that I pray for, he is going to heal them. Ma'am, what can I pray for you about? And this, I mean, this woman has a bag of pills. I mean, for something. For something. It's not like she can say, no, I'm good. You got something, something's going wrong. Either you're on that stuff, or you got something problem. You got a problem, right? And so, so she's like, well, I have this back pain that will not leave me. I had an accident several years ago, and I take this medication. It doesn't even take away the pain. It just takes the edge, the piercing, the sharpness of it, just a little bit off. But I live in constant pain. This kid's like, hey, no problem. I'm going to totally pray for you. So he just, can I say, he said, can I lay my hand on your shoulder? She said, sure. He prays a very simple prayer. He says, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this pain to stop and leave and never return. And I command this back to be totally made new. In your name I pray, amen. When, when he said amen, she went, whoa, just like that. That's what he told me. He went, what? He said, amen, whoa, just like that. And she's like, I felt something. He said, well, we'll do something you couldn't do. Let's test it. Let's see what God did. Do something you couldn't do. She's like, okay. And she does this right here. She goes down and then she comes up. And then she goes down again and she comes up. And she keeps, going, she keeps doing this the whole time. And she cannot believe she has no pain in her back. God totally heals her body right here in this grocery store in front of a packed line of people. She is so convinced that she's healed that she takes the pills, throws them to the kid, and walks out of the store without them, totally healed. Oh, 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 an employee in the store came over, was crying, and said, I don't know what's going on, but I felt like I was supposed to give this to you, and she gave him a big plastic bag with a zippy, with a zippy, with a zippy, right? And then he starts putting the pills. Well, the next person came, and they got healed. The next person came and they got healed. The next person came and they got healed. He, I mean, I'm telling the whole line was getting wrecked. God was touching everybody in this grocery store. He shows up at church that night and I am walking over to the service and I have to cross a hallway and he calls me. He says, hey, Pastor Chris, check it out. <laughs> and he hold, he's holding up two bags of pills. He's like, ah, check it out. Ah, we take a ground, baby. We take a ground. I mean, he's like hyping himself. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? I thought he was trying to sell the pills to all the other kids. Because this kid's got a past, and, and we've really journeyed with him. I was like, what are you doing? And then he explained the whole story. And I, I, began to wait, I began to realize God is waking this kid up, and he's keeping him ahead. This is exactly what it feels like. I'm con I can tell you we can shut down terrorist plots if we will stay woke. I'm telling you, you want to shut down sex trafficking? You can do that if you stay woke. Because God's promise is that he will make us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Are you following me? God's promises over your life will ensure that you can see things coming before they happen because God shares his secrets, his friends, the prophets, and because of Jesus, he has given us all the prophetic ability to know what's on the way. You can say, I'm ahead. Here's the second thing you get to say with your life. Number two. Number one, I'm ahead. Number two, I'm an ambush. I'm an ambush. I, 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 I remember one time, you don't mind if I share stories. Is that okay? okay? Like, I had, I had a conference get mad at me for sharing stories. No lie. I, they were like, and whatever. I mean, they were just like, hey, Pastor Chris, you're really funny. And <laughs> you know, but um, they said, um, less stories, more word. And I'm like, did you read this Bible? 
Because all Jesus, all, all this man did was tell stories. People come to him with the question, Master, how shall I inherit? Master, what shall I do? And he goes, a certain man, a certain day, a certain field, a certain woman, a certain widow, a certain person. On a And this, all this man did was tell, tell stories. So I feel like I'm more like Jesus when I'm telling some stories. I remember I was sitting in my office talking about being ambushed and my door's closed and my assistant is outside of this office and she is from Latin America. She's El Salvadorian. So she comes with all the spicy, okay? All the sauce, all the attitude, all of it, all right? She's dangerous, all of it, which is why I hired her. And so I remember she's sitting there. I got the door closed. She's sitting on the other side and I'm in mid-email and out of nowhere, I hear a woman, a hysterical woman walk into her office and, and begins to go, where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris? And my assistant, she didn't even miss a beat. Where's Pastor Chris? Hey, hey, what you come in here acting all crazy? What you want to talk to Pastor Chris for? <laughs> now, I do what any man of God does in this situation. I go to the door and I lock the door. I, lo I did, I locked the door. I did, because you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna get, you ain't, I ain't gonna catch a case. You don't get me on no TMZ and gonna try and put me a lot on blast. No, you're not gonna do that, right? So I go and lock the door. Well, because I'm Hispanic, I'm nosy, so I put my ear to the door to see what was going on, just because I wanna know. I wanna know the T, right? So, so I remember, I'm, I'm on the other side, and this one's like, where's Pastor Chris? Where's Pastor Chris? Hey, what you wanna talk to Pastor Chris for? And, and I'm, I'm listening to this, and sh this woman says, I was driving in my car, and a voice came into my car and gave me this address. Now, we have an unlisted address. You cannot find our office. Gave me this address and told me that a Pastor Chris has a message for me. <laughs> I remember, I'm behind the door. And I'm like, really? Because when I prayed this morning, you said nothing about no crazy women dive bombing this office. I'm like, I need to talk to Pastor Chris. He got a message for me. Where Pastor Chris at? You said nothing about that. And then I told the Lord, this is what I told the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm not ready. And I'll never forget. The Lord said, that's okay, son, because I'm ready. And when I'm ready, that's when you're ready. Now, I, you know, I feel like a lot of times our spiritual sight is hijacked by the unpredictable. And we are too addicted to wanting to feel ready. I want to be trained. I want to be ready. I want to have the right dates. I want to have enough money in the account. I want to know the right people. I want to have all these steps. No, I want to know everything. I want to be ready. This is not, listen, we never promised you be ready. Not one time did he promise you be ready. Have you read this book? This is not full of people that had a plan. I mean, it, like, he's like, hey, Noah, build a boat where there's no water. Right? Hey, David, David, hey, D, listen. Listen, go kill that giant, but don't wear any armor. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Why, trust me, trust me. This is what he does, right? Hey, Moses, Moses, hey, listen. Just talk to the rock, talk to it. Just talk to it, just talk to it, all right? And water gonna come out the rock. Either you're high on something or you hurt God. This is not full of people. What I have found is there are too many people who want to feel ready, who want to be validated and ready. God doesn't move at the speed of ready. God doesn't come because you were ready. He comes because you were willing to trust him no matter what the sacrifice or what the assignment was. And all he's trying to do is wake you up.
And he's trying to keep you ahead. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, Lord, I'm not ready. He said, that's okay, son, because I'm ready. And so this woman's like, please, let me talk to Pastor Chris. Please, please, let me talk to Pastor Chris. And so finally I open the door and she's screaming at my sister. I said, ma'am, ma'am, calm down, ma'am, I'm here. I said, come on in, I'll, I'll meet with you. Come on in. I told my assistant, you come too. In case anything pops off, you know, I need, I need you to be down. I need you to be down, right? So, so like, we're, we're in my office in day one activity, right? So, so like, I remember we're in my office and this woman starts telling me a real heartbreaking story. She said, I was just served papers for my fourth divorce. She says, I have children out of all these marriages. She says that this is, and then she, she says, I am so hurt and abandoned. I feel betrayed. I don't know, I don't know how this could happen. But the, and then she says this, but this is the same thing that happened to my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, Almost every woman in my family has had this story. As soon as I heard this, I knew this is a generational curse. And so I stopped her. I said, ma'am, listen, I don't know the whole story, but I do know one thing. I said, you have to give, but give what you need to receive first because you cannot give what you do not have. I said, would you be willing to forgive both your current husband, all those that hurt you, and every man that has hurt every woman in your family. I said, you have to forgive them and you will be free. I promise you, if you'll do this, you'll be completely free. The cycle will be broken. Your children won't even know this. When I said forgive them, you'd have thought I slapped Jesus's crown off of his head, just like this. And she starts manifesting a demon right in my office. So I'm telling you, she's like, I'll never, no, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, come on, man. I got stuff to do. I didn't have no demon women on the schedule today. I'm not ready, Lord. You ever had this stuff happen to you and like, I'm off duty. I was in mid-email. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, this woman's like manifesting a demon. So I'm like, well, we got to deal with this because you already know how I feel about demon juice and it's going everywhere, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm like praying. I'm like, Father, I rebuke this right now. I command this woman to be free by the order of Jesus' name and by the authority found in his blood and his resurrection. I'm, I'm like going after it. And all this demon is wiggling around, doing all this stuff on the floor until finally my assistant, who I can hear going, yes, Jesus, yes, God, yes. You know, the backup intercessor, not the, not the primary, the secondary, maybe the one in third in line, but not the primary. Yes, God, oh, Jehovah, like all of this, all the backup, right? Until finally she's getting frustrated because she can see me getting frustrated because I'm like, why is this not breaking? And I kid you not, my assistant, let me just teach you something about Hispanic folk, Mexican people like me, okay? When we pray in English, that's one layer of authority. But when that thing flips to Spanish, I'm telling you, you better get out the way. You're gonna get hurt? I'm telling you, even Jesus himself is like, whoa, 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 this one's triggered. This one right here, back up. Back up. I mean, he even like, hey, Michael, Gabriel, get out. That's how you got hurt last time. And I had to tape your wings back on, all right? Don't be playing around with these crazy people, these Latin people. I'm telling you, my assistant, I don't know where, she goes, yes, Lord. Yeah. In the nombre de Jesus. <laughs> the fuego, fuego de Dios. Levantate, levantate, levantate. I'm telling you, this lady didn't have a chance. This demon just, pow, just something like this. Boom, out cold. She has a visitation from Jesus for a couple of minutes, comes to get saved and is still serving in a church that we plugged her into to this day. Come on, can we thank God for that? 
Why am I sharing this with you? I cannot tell you how many times in that, in that moment I felt like I was being ambushed. But the real truth is, I am the ambush. I am not the one that's the threat. I, I'm not the threatened, I'm the threat. I'm not the overwhelmed one. I am overwhelming the king of darkness. I'm overwhelming his heart. I am the ambush. I don't care what background you have. I don't care what past you have. I don't care what pain you have. What I do know is that you are walking ambush. The enemy has no strategy or response against. This is interesting because Elisha says, don't be afraid. There are more with us than against us. You do realize that that angel army is still around. You do realize they are still looking for massive risks to come and aid us. You do realize that God can dispatch this same angelic army on your behalf in any moment. You do realize they're still around. He says there's more with us than against us. But note, I need you to notice something because, because I, I, I love the word. If I nerd out on anything, it's the word. And I, I love what the Bible says. But I have also learned in my journey, I need to pay attention to what the Bible does not say. And if you would notice in this text right here, the Bible, did you notice what it did not say? Did you notice what Elisha never prayed about? I mean, he is surrounded by an army and he never once prays, Lord, are you with us? Lord, you're gonna protect us? Lord, you're gonna deliver? He doesn't pray. In fact, he don't even pray about this wicked demonic army sent against him. He doesn't even pray about that. The biggest thing he has to pray about Arguably, the, the, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, his biggest concern is his spiritually blind servant. Could this be, when he says, open his eyes, could this not be a picture of what Jesus is doing for us as he is seated at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, making intercession for us, and he is literally screaming, God, Open Horizon Church's eyes. Open that marriage's eyes. Open that husband's eyes. Open that leader's eyes. Open their eyes. I, I think there, listen, can I, can I just take this a little deeper because I feel so moved in my spirit right now that there's so many people, you're getting freedom while this word is hitting you because you have, let, you, you have sat in so much in between you, it's not even lukewarm, it's just indecision. I got news for you, indecision is still a decision. Inaction is still an action. You know, I, I, I wanna submit this to you, you're not in the trouble you think you're in. Take your greatest challenge in your life right now, you're not in the trouble you think you're in. Because when you live in the kingdom of God, you now have a different layer and level of living. You look at things with different filters. You look at, you approach things with different attitudes. You have different habits that are in your life. Let me put you like this. You are not being, God is not uh, testing you with trouble. He is trusting you with trouble. So when the struggle comes, when the challenges come, they were a sign so that the God of the impossible can show up on your behalf and nobody gets the credit. Not your education, not your bank account, not your resources, only God. Because he wakes you up. I, I would like to submit to you that from the beginning of time, Jesus has been trying to open our eyes. I, I, you know, you have to read your Bible with some humor. John chapter nine. Remember John chapter nine? 
God walks up to a, Jesus himself walks up to a blind man, okay? A blind, blind guy, blind man, can't see, poof, gone, blind guy, okay? Can't see, walks up to a blind man and says, hey, you wanna see? I'm like reading, I'm like, well, Lord, I, I'm not trying to point out the obvious. This man's blind. Jesus is literally saying, hey, you wanna see? And this guy's response was like, yes, Lord. I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was more like, yeah. <laughs> and he says, hey, you wanna see? And this guy's like, yes, Lord. And Jesus gets excited. He goes, okay. Bends over and starts spitting in the dirt. And he makes mud. He takes the mud. And he puts it in the blind guy's eye. The blind guy don't even see it coming. We <laughs> nowhere. He don't know what's going on. He just takes the mud. Ah! Blind guy's sitting there like, right? And Jesus goes, what do you see? I'm like, that you play too much, Jesus. You have, that's uncalled for, sir. Right? And he's literally saying, what do you see? Notice the man's response. He says, I see men walking around like trees. Now I want you to remember that. I see men walking around like trees. And so Jesus goes, okay, spits in the dirt again, makes more mud. I'm telling you, your health services would be freaking out right now, all right? <laughs> Takes the mud, puts it back in the blind guy. I'm like, Jesus, you're a savage. This is wrong. And then he says, now what do you see? And this guy, notice his response. He says, I can see clearly now. I, I, I believe that this was a progression of supernatural power. But I would like to submit to you that God was healing his uh, spiritual sight before his natural sight because of his response. He said, I see men walking around like trees. You will always find in scripture that trees are equated to people. Now, you're like, back this up. I would love to. You remember Psalms? Blessed is the man who's not walking the path of the sinner nor sit in the seat of scornful, right? Nor stand in the way of those disobedient. But he says his delight is in the law of the Lord and on the law he will meditate on it day and night for he will be like a planted by the river whose leaves do not wither and whatever he does will prosper. Are you seeing this? Jesus said, you know a tree by its fruit because a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. He's not talking about having a green thumb. He is talking about knowing the people you run with. Are you seeing this? Since the beginning of time, God has been trying to open up people's sight. Do you realize that when, when Isaiah gives his messianic job description, he, he says this is the year of Jubilee, uh, he'll, he'll free the captives, and then he goes, I will restore sight to the blind. He doesn't make any reference to anything about being deaf. I mean, there's no reference to anybody being lame. It is only speaking, I'm going to restore sight to the blind, which that is a spiritual job description, which means he is gonna give you your spiritual sight. Where you were blind in your pain, where you were blind in your discouragement, where you were blind in your failure, God has the authority to restore fresh vision and give you another go at the next assignment or the same assignment because he is keeping you ahead and he's keeping you in ambush. Stay woke. I, I, I think it's, I've learned this. One man with sight is more dangerous than an entire blind army. I mean, literally, the one man, his, his spiritually blind servant, his eyes are open, and when this army sees, they're not intimidated, they start to march on them. And uh, Elisha's like, oh, you wish. God, what they did to this servant, 
put it on them. What they tried to do to him, put it on them. And Elisha blinds a whole arm. He, begin, he becomes the biggest flashbang in Call of Duty history and <laughs> takes out a whole army. A whole army. Now, why am I telling you this? Because I have found eyes that look are common, but eyes that see, totally rare. I'm gonna say this again. Eyes that look are common, but eyes that truly see are totally rare. It is possible to have sight and not see. It's possible to misread, to misunderstand, to be misinformed. I, I, I'm telling you this because I feel like there are too many good people who have, who have didn't realize that the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the people. The God of this age wants you to distort the biblical worldview on key areas that are absolutely clear in scripture. The God of this age wants you to think that you only get your one shot and if you fail, God can't trust you, so don't try again. The God of this age wants you to feel you're so wise when you don't allow relationships that don't add up to you, but really, it's a root of rejection. The God of this age, are you, am I, I think I'm, I'm, it's getting real quiet, so I know something's ringing. You wanna know why I speak to this so well? Because this has been the battle I've been in the last two and a half years, getting my sight right. There were things I thought were priorities that when God started uncovering and opening my eyes, they just fell off the list. There were things I thought this would give me value. And, and these aren't unholy things, these aren't wrong things. They're just wrong approaches or wrong sources. I thought this would matter and measure me and this would co-sign and validate me. Till finally I got so wrapped in his presence. You know, I had a friend. I mean, it's just, he, he called me. He said, I know that you're preaching this message on sight. I've heard you preach it. He said, I, can I tell you what I just did this weekend? I said, good, go for it. He said, God called me to a fast. I'm like, oh, that's powerful. He said, but it, it's not a normal fast. It wasn't just a Daniel fast or just water fast. He said, God called me to a sight fast. I was like, what? Now, and he's one of those, like he's one of those. He's a weird one, okay? <laughs> Love this guy, but he, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right, so, not the sharpest crayon in the box, all right? So, but he is, I'm telling you, when he speaks, it's like there's weight. So I'm like, I'm in constant communication with this guy, right? He says, God told me to go on a sight fest. I said, how'd you do that? He said, well, my family has a cabin out in the woods in, in Alabama, one of our states, and so he's familiar with the layout and he went for a whole weekend. Once he got there and he arranged some certain things like food and everything so he'd know where it at, he put a blindfold on and he literally for a weekend walked around with a blindfold, slept with a blindfold. If it got messed up, he put the blindfold back on and he had to maneuver everything. He's, this is interesting. He said, I had not realized that God could activate other senses. He said, other senses got so heightened because I lost my sight. He said, but there were times when, when I was waiting for the sense of touch and I was looking for that wall and, and I couldn't feel it. I knew it was there, but I had to get closer and it delayed me. If I had my sight, I would know exactly what kind of distance I had. I would know, are you following me? This is why sight is so important. 
I feel like a lot of us are wandering around in 2023 trying to figure out what's next. How does God, where does this make sense? The next 10 years, and God's saying, I'm gonna open your eyes. You're not gonna wander, you're gonna watch. You're no longer gonna have confusion, you're gonna have clarity. There is, I'm telling you tonight, God is opening up sight. Here's the last thing. If we're gonna stay woke, number one, you can say, I'm ahead. Number two, I'm an ambush. Number three, I'm an answer. I'm an answer. You know, I, I got news for you. You are not the problem. You're the answer. I, I, got, I feel like people pick on this generation too much. They're like, oh, they're the problem. Young people, they're the problem. They're the problem. Parents come up to, oh, you know this generation. They're the problem. They're the problem. I'm thinking, if they're the problem, who raised them? It's real quiet. It's cool. It's cool. Like, I, I, I'm, you know, I don't think this generation is, is spiritually lethargic or numb. I think they're spiritually bored because the Christianity we have shown them is so boring. It's not boring when legs start growing out. It's not boring when cancer fall off somebody's body. It's not boring when somebody who they thought would never come to Jesus comes to Christ and it stirs something fresh. It's not boring then. But I, I think there's a, you know, I think there's a lot of people, when I'm talking about an answer, I, th I think this culture, the God of this age is trying to make the church the problem. I'm like, the church has always been the answer. When there was wars, guess who stayed? The church. The church is the most sustainable vehicle in any sphere of society. When, when, when there's epidemics or pandemics, even throughout history, guess who stayed? It was the church. When the world wanted better hospitals, guess who gave it to them? The church. When the world wanted a better education system, guess who gave it to them? The church. When the world wanted a better system of government, guess what happened? The church gave it to them. The church has not been the problem. Maybe the church has been the answer since God birthed it on his own cross. There is something about knowing this confidently. I'm an answer. You know, I, I, if I could just add some expansion to your life and your room. Allow me to take you on a journey. You know, I, we, we at Missions Me, we, our vision is to unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations. And historically, uh, we've had more of an international footprint until recently God has reassigned our vision to America. In, in fact, the, the last uh, scaled moment we had was in Peru where we would mass mobilize armies of missionaries. We brought 10,000 missionaries from 43 different nations, 150 plus organizations to pound ground in the nation of Peru. And for seven days, I mean, we just went for, in seven days, actually in five days, we went into 3,000 high schools in five days. I mean, we dug 47 citywide water wells, not village wells, citywide water wells. We gave out millions of pairs of shoes, millions of, pairs, millions of blankets, millions of pounds of food. We did 14 medical clinics in 12 different cities in soccer stadiums with 1,000 medical professionals. We took logging boats and remodeled them into medical triage centers and sent them down the fingers of the Amazon River, and people were getting care and aid, and at the same time, we were watching eyeballs appear in sockets that didn't have an eyeball, and people getting totally healed all in these uh, uh, medical clinics. I mean, we had sports clinics, fire, fire, it was massive to see all that God was doing. And then in, uh, on, the, on the final night, we culminated into 10 stadiums on the same night at the same time. And in seven days, we saw 1.1 million people give their lives to Jesus and still be found in a local church weeks later. That's, that's massive. 
We had just finished a, a Zoom call with the vice president of Ecuador as he was extending the official invite for us to come to make that the, nation, the next nation. As we entered that, the Spirit of God fell on us. I'll never forget it. And he says, you're not going to Ecuador. And we all said, okay. We just started praying. We felt the presence of God. And, and, and God said, I'm reassigning this ministry, this vision. We said, okay, Lord, where are we going? He said, I'm gonna make an aggressive move on America. We said, okay, Lord, where do you wanna start? He said, Los Angeles. We were like, surely you mean Dallas. <laughs> you meant to say Tulsa. You know, somewhere in the Bible Belt, that's ministry family, you know, church saturated, not hostile to the gospel, you know, stuff like that. And he said, no, I wanna start in LA because I wanna give proof to America that I'm with her. And if it works in Los Angeles, it could work anywhere. So we said, okay, Lord, let's start running towards this. You know, when the Lord speaks in spirit, you don't respond in logic. When God starts deploying vision at such a massive level, logic is the worst way to respond. Ask Zechariah. I mean, God's like, your wife's gonna be pregnant. We so all. And God's like, shut up. And the man couldn't talk, you remember this? He responded in logic. So I've learned, when he speaks in spirit, you don't respond in logic. So to honor it, we've set a date, okay? We set a date, July 2020. I'm gonna just say the date one more time. We can all go back, all right? July 2020, all right? If you remember for us around March, chaos wrapped itself around the globe in an unprecedented way. And so now we're sitting in, in the early stages of this and we're now looking at what would be a massive shutdown around the world and we're thinking, oh my gosh, what did we do? Like we are trending towards this and now we can't even gather. Can't even, come on, you know that pain. We can't even mass gather. We're like in California, we can't do this. And, and we're thinking, should we cancel? Should we postpone? Should we reschedule? And I'll never forget, God said, you are not allowed. He interrupted our thoughts. He said, you are not allowed to give a budgeted version of my heart. You are only allowed to release the full version of my heart. Anything else, you'll be in disobedience. And we were like, okay. And we said, okay, Lord, give us, give us favor here and give us keys that will unlock this city. He, start by gather, he said, start by gathering the key leaders. So we did. We gathered 641 senior pastors in a hotel ballroom in downtown LA. It was the largest faith coalition since Azusa Street. And we shared our heart, our history, and at that point, just a little bit of vision that we had. And all of them unanimously across the room said, this isn't something you should do. This is something you have to do, and you have to do it now. So we said, okay, Lord, we're gonna draft behind this momentum. What do we do first? He said, start by eliminating medical debt. And so I'm happy to report in 12 months, I didn't even know this was a thing, but you could, you could eliminate medical debt if you would go to bat for people and negotiate it. And I'm happy to report in 12 months, we watched God dissolve $47 million worth of medical debt for 23,000 families below the poverty line in Los Angeles. I'm talking about all the medical debt in Compton, Inglewood, Watts, Long Beach, completely gone. People getting letters in the mail because they've been geotagged in their location saying your medical debt's been dissolved, no strings attached. And if you need anything, contact Pastor Brad or Pastor Tim. Their church is only uh, you know three or four kilometers down the road from you because our heart is not to ask the local church to platform us. It's to platform the local church. The church is the most sustainable vehicle in any sphere of society. And so, I mean, we went in. It, once we did this, the city was like, what else do you want to do? They approached us. We said, could you give us access to your foster care system? I didn't realize this, but Los Angeles has the largest foster care system in America. At that time, it had 40,000 kids 
lost and trapped in a foster care system. They will age out at 15 and they are given three weeks worth of food coupons, dropped off at a local gym and said, good luck. That is why we have the homeless issue that we have in Los Angeles. So instead of just doing homeless initiatives, let's do some prevention. So we started going in and the city would spend millions of dollars to maybe generate 100 leads in a 12 month period. We just put fire on the vision, put it in front of the church, woke up the sleeping giant, giant of God's people, thousands of leads started pouring in every 30 days that it was so overwhelming to the city that they called a special session in their city government and they said we have created laws and legislature that has kept the faith-based community out of the needs of the people in the city we are now dissolving and redacting that we are creating four advisory positions for senior pastors to come in and tell us where the felt needs are the current crisis is and help us steer the city that's revival I mean, we went into all 35 state penitentiaries in California because we, we wanted to win souls. I mean, we, we said when a convict becomes a convert, they have a community to continue establish covenant with God both in and outside the prison, and we can break the generational curse and repeat offending. I mean, we went and God said, America needs its families back. And we said, okay, Lord. He said, but in order to get our families back, we have to get our fathers back. And in order for us to get our fathers back, we have to call them into authentic manhood and fatherhood. And I'll never forget, I was blown away because we put this all call to the men of Los Angeles and they responded. Between the in-person and online audience, we had 100,000 men complete a 30-day Bible study that journeyed them to authentic manhood and fatherhood in that one month. It was historic. I mean, we had all kinds of plays running to soften the heart. We stood 48 days away from our stadium moment when God said, okay, now it's time for the stadium. We said, okay, 48 days away. And we get a call, we had put six figures down on the Memorial Coliseum. This is the iconic Olympic Stadium. And they called us and they said, we're sorry, you can't host your event in our venue. And we said, why? They said, well, there's a neighboring stadium. It's literally across the street. And they inked their contract before we did with you. And we cannot have two mass events at the same time because our infrastructure will collapse. The traffic will be a nightmare and it'll shut down the whole city. So now we have been casting vision with a stadium moment. And now we have no stadium. So we're like, God, what do we do? Four hours later, we get a call. It is from SoFi Stadium. It is the new Ram, Los Angeles Rams Chargers. This is a $5 billion stadium built. It's the largest venue on the west side of the United States. It's huge. They called us and said, listen, we have been watching everything you're doing. We've watched the medical debt. We watched the food distribution. I mean, we, gave, we were uh, trucking in 33 million pounds of food every weekend. We, we, were given, we gave away $10 million of gifts in kind. That's your beds, your fridges, your dressers, your home goods, your clothing, all of that, let alone all the medical stuff. That, I mean, it was wild. They said, we've been watching everything you've been doing. And we want, we want our name attached to this. And so we wanna ask, would you, would you be willing to host your event here in SoFi? And we said, look, we're a missions organization and your budget's like here and ours is like way down here, all right? And then you said, we were third in line. They said, we'll work with you on the budget and we're gonna call the first two people and ask them to move their date. First person they call, hey, Taylor Swift, here's what's going on in Los Angeles. They walk her through the whole vision. Taylor, would you move your date? She says, absolutely, and Taylor moves her date. I became an instant Swifty right there. I don't even know her music. I've never listened to one song. Ask my daughter. I, I don't even know who, I was just like, she's dope. I don't know who she is, right? And then they call the next person, hey, Kenny Chesney, here's what's going on. Can't, and walk him through the whole thing. Can you move your date? Kenny's like, absolutely. Kenny moves his date. Then they call us. Hey, missions me. 
do you still want SoFi Stadium? And we were like, uh, yes, 100%, absolutely. The next day, we get a call from some people who co-founded Coachella. And they said, um, they said, listen, we've been watching the same thing as SoFi. We've been watching everything, medical debt, food distribution, uh, foster care, prisons, watching the whole thing. And they said, we want our name attached to this. We're tired of hosting. These are good Jewish men, actually. They said, we're tired of hosting these festivals where we're watching a generation be carted out in gurneys, escorted out, overdosing the whole scene. We said, but we want our, our name attached to this. Can we run all your audio, visual, lighting, and streaming capacity for you? We were like, yes, 100%, absolutely. Then they said, well, who's the lineup? This is now 47 days away. They're like, who's the lineup? And we said, listen, we're really positioning a lot of great conversation right now, and we'll be able to feed those names to you shortly. That's code for we're praying, and we don't know. That's what that is, all right? And then they said, well, you have 30 days. And so they call us back like two weeks later. They're in a panic. They're like, hey, we're freaking out over here. Who's the lineup? We said, listen, we're really posturing a lot of great people, and we're gonna see those names to you shortly. Well, sure enough, uh, uh, that's code for we're praying and fasting now, and we don't know. Like, this is Los Angeles. I can go get the top worship artists and, and or top worship leaders and Christian artists. The truth is the only people that show up to that are Christians. And I don't wanna waste all these resources to fill a stadium with all of these people who already know Jesus and we take pictures of ourselves and feel good about ourselves and we did absolutely nothing. So I said, Lord, let's get radical. We all just leaned in as an executive team. We said, let's get radical. We said, who's a tier one influencer that, that's a global icon that's a Christian? Well, that's a short list. And then we said, well, who's that and not afraid to share their faith? Now we're like crossing names off this short list. And we're saying, and who's all of that and will do it with us on this date? It could only be any, mini miny Justin Bieber. 30 days comes up. They're like, hey, who's the lineup? We said, listen, we know that you guys are freaking out about this, but our, our history in the nations has taught us to have a higher risk tolerance than perhaps people in your industry. That's code for we have faith and you don't understand it. You know, that we all church people in here, right? And so we said, but we've learned the miracle of giving God one more day. Could we just give God one more day? Would you stand with us one more day? And they said, you have one more day. And we, I mean, literally, we're like, Lord, you have to move. I didn't sleep at all that night. I mean, I was praying in the fetal position, breathing through a paper bag in tongues. I mean, I was like going after God and everything else like this. I mean, I didn't sleep at all. The next morning, I kid you not, the next morning at random, around 9 a.m., we get a FaceTime. It's Justin Bieber, out of nowhere. And he's calling us and he says, I've been watching everything you've been doing. I've watched the foster care. I watched the medical debt. I watched the food distribution. I, he said, I, he told us our whole story, our whole vision. And then he's got tears coming down his face. And he said, but God spoke to me today. And he told me that I would stand with the Church of Los Angeles and I would use all of my influence on social media in the industry so that we could pull people off their phones, out of their homes and into a moment where they would hear the story of Jesus and begin the same journey that I've begun so that they could feel the same thing I'm feeling. He said, one, can I serve your vision? And number two, if you don't have your lineup, can I help you build your lineup? We're like, listen, JB, anytime your friends wanna be our friends, like we're totally good with Gucci with that. Like we're totally good with that, right? He gets on another phone as we start talking some preliminary details and I'm hearing him, hey Chance the Rapper, I need you. Hey Tori Kelly, I need you. Hey Jaden Smith. He starts building a whole lineup that Coachella guys have and we got all of that for free. I'll never forget when these, 
these, these influencers started posting. It was so moving to watch as people who would never darken the door of a local church were signing up to serve on the campus of a local church. We rotated 86 different surf sites over seven days. I mean, we had 20,000 missionaries and volunteers sign up. It was wild. We adopted every city block in Los Angeles, donated a million man hours of service, and then we culminated in the SoFi Stadium. And between the macro and micro content, the streaming of what we did, and that night live, half a billion people watched that one night and heard about the story of Jesus. Come on, can we thank God for his increase? Why am I sharing this with you? Why am I sharing this with you? You're an answer. You are woke now. You have been through the last 24 hours this incredible awakening in your heart. And God is striking the ground. And there are wise ones in this room with arrows in their hands that are not going to stop striking the ground until God says stop. You're going to keep plowing. You're going to keep running. You're going to keep prophesying. You're going to keep building. You're going to keep strategizing. You will not quit. You will not fail. I love this verse. Isaiah, I love Isaiah 43, 19. He says, behold, I do a new thing, not the next thing. In the last three years, we've been conditioned about next. What's the next issue? What's the next problem? What's the next restriction? What's, who's the next this? And who's the next, next, next? God's saying, I don't do next things. I do new things. Behold, I do a new thing. Watch this. He says, do you not see it? He says, I will make roadways in the wilderness, rivers, in the desert. In other words, if you'll see, I'll do the impossible. I will become the God of the impossible in every area, every area of your life. That's what I love what he says to Jeremiah. He says to Jeremiah, he says, call to me. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you. Just, just that right there. If you call to me, I will respond. If you call to me, you will be answered. We don't serve a deaf God. We don't serve a mute God. We don't serve a weak God. We serve an intentional God. Call to me and I will answer you. And then watch this. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. He's gonna restore your sight. Would you stand up with me tonight? I, I felt like, Lord, I said, give me a word for horizon. I felt like that word last night about sacred and sacred rain was special, but I said, Lord, I, I want a word for this church. And I thought, I, I thought about saving it, to be honest with you, for tomorrow, but I, I just felt like tonight God was saying, no, it, this arrow needs to be loosed here tonight. The Lord gave me Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. I just want to read this to you because I feel like this is for every marriage, every family, every past, every present, every future, every staff, every bit of staff, every bit of leadership represented in the room, every career, everyone. Isaiah chapter eight, verse 11. He says, the Lord has given me a strong warning. Now listen, this is not just don't do this, be careful. He's literally saying, this was unlike anything else. The Lord gave me a strong warning, watch this, not to think like everyone else thinks. 
Horizon Church will put on the mind of Christ at a high level and you will not approach the problems, the crises, the issues in the same manner that everyone else has because you are not allowed to think like everyone else in this world thinks. He says, don't call everything a conspiracy like the world does. Watch this, don't live in dread of what frightens them. Let me put this in your world. Horizon Church is not allowed to be afraid of what the world is afraid of. You are a child of God. You are not allowed to be moved, to be muted. You are not allowed to be intimidated by what the world is intimidated by. He goes on to say, make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. I feel like there's gonna be a revival in this church even before you get to 2024 and you've got this incredible voice being sent to you in Bishop Wallace. I think what he's gonna walk into is something called holiness. There is gonna be a great search of holiness. This is not a witch hunt. This is not a sin, uh, a sin finding operation. This is God turning your hearts to be separated to him. There's a form of holiness where you separate, separate yourself from things. And God's saying, that's great, you need that. That's, that's character, that's integrity, that's accountability. But true holiness on this side of the cross is not just being separated from things, it's being separated to him. He says, make God holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one you should make, who should make you tremble. Father, I release this word in obedience. According to Luke 24, open our mind to the scriptures. We are not allowed, we, we now know in our spirit, we are accountable to this word. We will not think like this world. We will not approach the issues like everyone else. We refuse to process, to strategize, like the world does. Forgive us where we've put limits on how we could pray, how we, how we budget, how we strategize. Forgive us, God. And at the same time, erupt fresh vision. Ignite fresh strategy on the inside of us. Father, I thank you, but I pray this over every man and woman. Open their eyes. I declare this right now. I, I just... I feel like God's been highlighting some areas in this room. And as, as the word is being, being preached, you have had moments where you've heard the voice within the voice tonight. And God's saying, you've been blind here. Or you have had a smoke screen here. Or the enemy had you have blurred vision here. But I feel like tonight, God is awakening fresh sight. If that's you, would you just... Could we just go to God in prayer together tonight? I don't know where you're at, but I do feel, man, you know what? If you need a fresh touch to get your sight right, no matter what it is, I want you to come join me at the front. I don't want you to wait in the chairs. I want you to symbolically tell yourself, I'm gonna move myself out of my comfort zone, out of my questioning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been 
unclear. I don't know where you've been confused, but I do know this. If you want your sight right tonight, I promise you, if you will humble yourself, God will move in our midst and the sight of God will come. I'm telling you, clarity. God, open our eyes. Jesus, open our eyes, God. Open our eyes. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Come and open our eyes. Come on, can we press in? Can we pray? Come on, let's lift our voice. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.